0: It seems as if Trump then got his ass in a, another sling. They're talking about this guy. He uh, – letters, emails, or, or, or people in, that were in his inner circle are now saying that he tried to corrupt the Justice Department to get them to overturn the election. Nothing surprises me about Trump anymore. I mean, nothing whatsoever. But we do know that the guy is probably broke. He's probably, if he's not broke, he's not the billionaire that he makes himself out to be. Because with all these lawsuits, with all these uh, uh, lawyers he has to pay to defend himself, and a lot of these lawyers are quitting on him because he won't listen. He won't shut his mouth up because every time Trump opens his mouth, he incriminates himself. But he doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about uh, an avalanche of books out there painting him as the devil himself. He doesn't care about that. He cares about being president again. He cares about being installed in August. I'm hearing August 13th saying that he will be president again and any sane person would know that that's not going to (laughs) happen it is so much shit coming out about Trump you can't even shovel it it is just uh, uh, garbage on top of garbage coming out every day every minute about Trump and you wonder why this guy is still free why is he still out there wreaking havoc he's giving rallies these are not rallies these are hate gatherings. These are clown shows where he gets to spill his lies and keep the... He's not a rational guy. He's, he's, he's mentally ill. He's crazy because he keeps repeating the same old lie that millions of people have debunked and million more will be debunking. But he doesn't care. He wants He wants to be president again. He's a two-time loser. Uh, I mean, he's an all-time loser, actually. He's lost six, 60 to 70 court cases on trying to uh, overturn the election to have him installed back in office. And you wonder who, who the hell does he think he is. The people voted him out. He did not get a second term because he was such an asshole and he was such a mean person. Corrupt, criminal ass president who should be in jail and I am just so wow (laughs) I am just so pissed off and uh, millions of Americans around the country are pissed off that Trump is free he is not he has not been indicted he is not in an orange jumpsuit and we under when we wonder why Everybody around him has been, just about everybody around him have has been a, arrested. But not this gunk. He's free to lie, continue to lie. I have a book coming out called Avalanche of Lies. There are so many books, um, negative books out there about this guy. And Trump, he wants to write his own book. My understanding is that he has written his own book, but the publishers will not publish it. Why? From what I'm hearing, they will not publish a book of lies. Because that is what Trump will be putting out here. From what I'm hearing, he's tired of the negative press. He's tired of the negative books that come out once, a, once every day about him, about him and his, his administration. So he decided to write his own book. But I think a lot of the publishers have seen the manuscript and they said no, because it's filled with lies. A lie on top of lie. I don't know a nonfiction author anywhere that has not written a book or an essay or an opinion piece about Trump's time in the office. And now they're writing about Trump time out of office because he's just as diabolical as he was when he was in office. I mean, he's the lies just keep on coming. The bullshit just keep on coming. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, this podcast or radio show, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I've been doing it for uh, maybe six or seven years now, and I don't think I'm going to let up any now, no matter what happens. Um, Let's talk about the vaccine. We're going to get off Trump for a while. We'll we'll be back on his ass in a bit. But let's talk about the vaccine because employers now, people who hire people to work for them, are saying get the vaccine, get the shot, or get out. They're saying get the shot or get out. This is what's happening. This is how it's going to be in the near future because a lot of the people who are not getting vaccinated are in southern states, and, they're, and they are Republicans, and they're dying. They're getting sick and dying because they refuse to get the shot. You've got some people who are saying they will never get the shot no matter what happens. They will never – Joe Biden, the President of the United States, is out here begging people to get the shot. Begging people to get the shot. And people, and some people, are getting the shot. But most people who are not fully vaccinated are not getting the shot. And they're steadfast on not getting that shot. And doctors and scientists and people in the know will tell you that the vaccine saved lives. Majority of the people who are dying and getting sick are the ones who refuse to take the shot. And once these people are sick in the hospital with tubes coming out of their nose, they're saying they wish they had taken the shot. But you got news outlets like Fox News and uh, uh, representatives like um, Lauren Boebert and... Marjorie Taylor Greene marching through the White House, uh, throwing away their masks saying essentially, "The hell with getting the shot, don't wear a mask." Yeah, you got people out there that's telling people, in 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 high places, not to wear their masks, not to get a shot, and people around America are saying. <laughs> Let them let them be the first to drop dead. And this is why I think a lot of people are not getting the shot because they're getting mixed information on the shot. Even I am getting mixed information on this shot, on the shots. But I do know that I'm fully vaccinated, and I'm afraid that I'm gonna get this Delta variant. Because other people will not get the shot. But they're still saying, if you're fully vaccinated, you really don't have to wear the mask. You only wear the mask if you're going indoors. Indoors. And if there's a bunch of people around you, you wear the mask. You know, so fully vaccinated people are essentially safe from getting COVID-19. And the uh, Delta variant that has sprung up out of uh, COVID-19. There's a lot of people who don't even know what the Delta variant is. And I always tell them when they email me or on Facebook or on Twitter, I tell them to research it, find out what it is. Because it's just a... uh, um, You know, it's it's a part of the COVID-19. The Delta variant is not deadly. COVID-19 is. You can get very sick from the Delta variant, but you can die from from COVID-19. These things are intertwined. You know, so I would say to people, research it, because I don't want to give out any wrong information or anything like that, because it's not – this show is not about that. We are about saving lives. And once again, we are about making the world a better place, yeah, so get the shot <laughs> get the shot uh it will save your life. it will keep you from getting you know, from getting covid nineteen because the majority of the people who are in hospitals around america. are the unvaccinated. They they refuse to get the shot. And you got people dying and still saying they will not get the shot. Well, the only thing you <laughs> the only thing you can tell them is to rest in peace because there's nothing you can do if someone doesn't want the shot, refuses to get the shot, uh no matter what you say. You can just say, "Hey, wow. Wish you a nice life. Rest in peace." But as long as President Biden is out there. He's going to encourage people to get the shot because, as I've said, the, the ones who are dying and get it, getting infected are the ones who did not get the shot. And then you got so many news outlets out there like Fox News, these asshole representatives telling you not to wear a mask. And I'm hearing one of them, I think. Marjorie Taylor Greene is suing Nancy Pelosi because she mandates the wearing of masks inside the Capitol building inside Congress which I don't blame her I think I think it's good to mandate masks but you're going to still have people who are going to say this is my life I can wear a mask if I want to wear a mask you can't make me and then they're dead so I, I think there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of people out here who, who will refuse to wear the mask. And then, the, then some people out here will get scared enough and start wearing the mask and we will go get the shot. But still, it may not be enough. I think there's a little over 50 percent of all Americans vaccinated. Joe Biden said we need about 70 percent vaccinated majority of the people are in these uh, southern states, these uh, Republican states. I think Donald Trump, if he had the balls, should go on TV and tell all of his supporters how serious it is for them to get the shot. I think all Republicans should tell their constituencies to get the shot because their constituency are the ones who are dying off. And it is very, very – this is very serious. This is not a joke. This is not uh, – this is why we're all talking about it. I mean, people are talking about it at work. And a lot of the corp, uh, um, corporate America is now saying, get the shot or don't come to work. You've got employers around America saying, if you want to work at this job, you show me some proof. You show some proof that you've got the shot. This is what's happening. This is going to be an American phenomenon, but it's going to be happening because it's happening already. Major companies around the United States and maybe around the world are saying, hey, wow, get the shot or don't come to work. Get the shot. Get the shot. Or don't apply for that job. This is serious. I mean, this could be even McDonald's. You may go go try for a job at McDonald's and the manager may say, hey, you, you got any proof that you've uh, gotten the shot? Yeah, employers are going to be asking for uh, your vaccine card. Yeah, to show that you've been vaccinated. They're not going to take your word that you've been vaccinated, because anybody could lie, and people will lie. They want to see that vaccine card that is going to show proof that you've been vaccinated. This is where we are in the 21st century. And we're going to be further on in 2022 and 2024. This is the world we live in. This is how COVID has, has changed a lot. A lot of people are considering on going back into quarantine. means back into staying in the house. But a lot of people can't stay in the house like they did before when we thought COVID was coming to an end. A lot of people can't be in the house, can't shelter in the house, can't quarantine in the house anymore. They have to go to their job. They have to work. They have bills to pay. quarantining is is not good for everyone. Everybody can't stay home every day for months and months and months, and the bills pile up. you have to get you have to get out there and work. you got to buy food. You can't stay in the house for months and months and months if you don't have any government help if you don't have any supplementary income so you really can't be bogged down in the house for another four or five months until people start getting some sense and and uh getting a shot all right you've been listening to the george wilder jr show on Block talk radio and and we're trying to make the world a better place but it seems seems as though the people are getting worse and worse and worse and um it's 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 a sad thing when people will not do what they're supposed to do. They'd rather die. And, you know, you, you think about people who refuse to get the shot. And you think about their relatives, their brothers, their sisters, their cousins, all the people who are trying to sway this particular person to get the shot. But this person says he's not going to get the shot because he's a Donald Trump fan. But let me tell you this, Donald Trump got the shot. He got it. (laughs) But now he's trying to tell you either not to get it or he will not try to persuade his people to get the shot after he has gotten it. And I've said this before, it's all a grift about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is out there lying his ass off so people can send him money. And I'm hearing he's broke. I don't know if that's factual. It's just something you hear, you read. Even the person who is reporting it, they're not really sure about it either, but I said it years ago while he was president. I said this guy's broke. And he might be because as I said earlier, he has to pay his lawyers, <laughs> he has to pay his children. He has to pay um legal fees, bill. He's being sued up the ass. So he might be broke. I think that's why one of the reasons why the grift is taken on uh, more than ever before. And that means he's just uh, lying and saying things out in public to get his supporters to send him money. And guess what? They sent him money. (laughs) And he puts it in his pocket just like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's a grip with these people. These are politicians. These are people in Congress. These are people who represent other people who voted for them. And I'm hearing that – I'm always hearing <laughs> – that Lauren Boebert, her constituency, her voters, are really, really pissed at her. I mean, they are really not satisfied with her and her antics. These people have to realize and Marjorie Taylor Green, these people have to realize they were they will be voted the hell out. They will be thrown out. Because if you think about it Marjorie Taylor Green, Matt Gates, uh oh, uh Lauren Boebert, these are Republican uh politicians who have done exactly nothing for the people that they have voted for. They've done exactly nothing for their districts. What have they done? They're trying to get famous. They're trying to get you to know their names. They're trying to lead when they are not leaders. That's all it's about with these three and other people in the Republican Party in Congress. They want to get famous. They <laughs> they want to be on TV. They want to be on the radio. They want to be in the newspapers. They want their name in up in lights. That's why they say so much, so many. Excuse me, so many crazy things, stupid things, dumb things. They think that's going to get them. I mean, these three people are going around trying to find platforms to hold their hate parties. And they are getting turned down big time. They are getting turned down so much from holding their platforms at major, major studios that now they have to give their little uh, rallies out on street corners because no one will have them. They give their little rallies out on street corners because, because they know that the TV cameras are going to be coming soon. But they're on the street corners. They're landscaping. <laughs> because nobody wants them in their studios telling lies. Bullshit. Nobody wants that. They want the truth. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We are going to be listening to Ashley Judd right here, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on a minute. We're going to try and. (laughs) All right, thanks. Uh, It's rough. It's tough, but people get the shot. I mean, I can't stop saying it enough. Other people can't stop saying it enough. We need you to get the shot. We need you to live because if you live, other people will live. We have to have that. People are dying. I mean, if you see some of the videos from people in the hospital with tubes up their nose and uh, seems as if they can barely, barely, barely catch their breath, you would be jumping out of that hospital bed and say, hey, wow, uh, I got to go get the shot. And I'm pretty sure that people have gotten a shot. The the vaccinations have gone up, but not gone up far enough because people are still in the hospital, people refusing, still refusing to get the shot. And uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is is here to tell everybody, if you haven't been fully vaccinated, if you have not even had one shot, get the shot, because this is the only way we're going to get out of this mess, is for people to get the shot. And Joe Biden knows it. The President Joe Biden knows it. All of these assholes who are saying don't get the shot know it. So, we have to get people uh believe in the shot to get to get the shot take the shot and live Having some difficulties. This is an old clip, but I think it, I think it uh, is uh, relevant for today because COVID-19 is back, and I'm pretty sure he might be saying something of this nature. Hold on. Uh, I think we're having some difficulties. Can we get that clip? Oh, he hasn't come to the podium yet. <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll give it a maybe another minute or so and we'll see what happens. This is the George Wilder Jr. Show on, on Black Talk Radio, Podcast, whatever you want to call it. Um, we're still waiting for the voice. Oh, J.B.
1: Wow, it's taking...
0: I can hear something going on in the background. Okay, since that one... (laughs) That may... Okay, let's try this one.
2: Because... I think you have a right to know why I've taken the actions that I've taken. You have a right to the truth, as difficult as it may be to hear, because you can bear it. Over the last few weeks, I've reached out to and relied upon some of the best medical experts, epidemiologists, mathematicians, and modelers to help me understand what the progression of this disease will look like in Illinois. My bedrock has been to rely upon science, real, actual science around infection rates and potential mortalities. In my discussions with these experts, I've asked for honesty and hard truths. I ask that choices and consequences of those choices be laid out for me as clearly and starkly as possible. I've asked every one of these experts, what action can I take to save the most lives? Well, they've come back to me with one inescapable conclusion. To avoid the loss of potentially tens of thousands of lives, we must enact an immediate stay-at-home order for the state of Illinois. So that is the action that I am announcing today. We have looked closely at the trajectory of this virus in countries like Italy and China. Left unchecked, cases in Illinois will rise rapidly. Hospital systems will be overwhelmed. Protective equipment will become scarce. And we will not have enough healthcare workers or hospital beds or ventilators for the overwhelming influx of sick patients. The only strategy available to us to limit the increase in cases and ensure our health care system has capacity to treat those who become ill is to mitigate the spread of coronavirus in the most robust manner possible. I don't come to this decision easily. I fully recognize that in some cases I am choosing between saving people's lives and saving people's livelihoods. But ultimately, you can't have a livelihood if you don't have your life. Of all the obligations that weigh on me as governor, this is the greatest. If there are actions that I can take that will save lives in the midst of this pandemic, no matter how difficult, then I have an obligation to take these actions. Therefore, starting tomorrow evening, Saturday, March 21st, at 5 p.m., until the end of April 7th, all our residents will be subject to a stay-at-home order there is a great deal of misunderstanding about what a stay-at-home order means um, so I want to clarify it for everybody
0: here's what will stay stay the
2: same Uh, You'll still be able to leave your house to go to the grocery store to get food. You'll still be able to visit a pharmacy, go to a medical office or hospital, or to gas up your car at a gas station. You'll still be able to go running and hiking and walk your dog. Many, many people will still go to work. For the vast majority of you already taking precautions, your lives will not change very much. There is absolutely no need to rush out to a grocery store or gas station. On Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and every day thereafter, those will be available to you. Agriculture and the press, veterinarians and plumbers, laundromats and banks, roads, bridges and transit, the fundamental building blocks that keep our society safe and steady will not be closing down. You can still pick up dinner from your local restaurant, pick up your prescriptions, and just spend time with your family. We are doing all that we can to maintain as much normalcy as possible while taking the steps that we must to protect you. That brings me to what will change. All non-essential businesses must stop operating. If you can work from home and aren't already doing so, now is the time when you must. The heroes of this moment are healthcare workers, first responders, law enforcement officers, and the individuals and organizations like the Illinois AFL-CIO and other workers who keep our grocery stores and pharmacies running cannot stay home. We need you. This executive order is fundamentally about the rest of us and what we can do to support the people on the front lines of this fight and the people most vulnerable to its consequences. We know this will be hard, and we're looking at every tool that we have to help you through this crisis. For our essential workers, we're going to make sure you have safe daycare to take care of your children while you do the critical work to save us and to keep us safe. For those who are asking to stay home, we're ordering municipalities, sorry, to those that we are asking to stay home, we're ordering municipalities across the state to halt all evictions. We need our local leaders to help ensure our families do not lose their homes. I'm also directing additional resources to organizations across the state to serve those experiencing homelessness. For our students, your school districts will continue to provide you with meals, and we will back them up in this. I wish I could stand up here and tell you when your schools will safely reopen, but that is not an answer that I have at this time. We're postponing our tentative reopening date statewide until April 8th, and we'll continue to update you with new information as we have it. To be honest, we don't have the resources, the capacity, or the desire to police every individual's behavior. Enforcement comes in many forms, and our first and best option is to rely on Illinoisans to be good members of their communities and good citizens, working together to keep each other safe. I've instructed law enforcement to monitor for violations and take action when necessary, but that is not an option that anyone prefers. The easy thing to say today is that soon everything will go back to the way it was. But I want to be honest with you about that. I don't think it will. We don't know yet all the steps we are going to have to take to get this virus under control. But here's what I do know. About 150 years ago, the city of Chicago burned to the ground. When the ashes cleared, we passed laws requiring buildings be built with fireproof material. We invented skyscrapers. Chicago went from a small Midwest town to one of the biggest cities in the United States. And just to make a point, we built the Chicago Fire Academy on the very spot where the Great Chicago Fire started burning. In the coming days and weeks, we're going to expand testing in Illinois to figure out how to detect COVID-19 more quickly and more efficiently. Our scientists and our doctors are working on treatments even now. They will screen people more effectively, isolate them more quickly, and attack this more efficiently. They're going to learn, and as they learn, they're going to innovate. They're already on a path to develop a vaccine. Our healthcare infrastructure will adapt because it must. This will not last forever. However, it's going to force us to change, but that's okay. Any event of this magnitude should force us to change. We here in Illinois have overcome obstacles before, and we'll do so again. And we will rise to this occasion. Thank you. And now I'd like to introduce the mayor of the city of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot.
1: Thank you, Governor. (coughs) I have to um, say again. Not only thank you for um, your partnership, but your leadership in this incredible all time. Right, I've heard you, some Mayor. people thank all over you, the country Lori um, we have that to move they on. feel that Illinois is in good hands because of your leadership. So thank you very much.
0: All right. About rental moratorium uh, it's ending rental moratorium is uh, that people are will not be evicted because they can't or won't pay their rent because of the COVID-19 but that moratorium is ending by the time you listen to this broadcast it may be over by now but anyway at this point it's ending and a lot of people are going to be evicted from their apartments from their homes from what- you know and if, you, if you're not paying your rent or your mortgage or whatever um, it's ending Joe Biden is trying to get Congress and he has to do it quickly because I understand by tomorrow night it will be it will be over and uh. People are saying the sheriffs will be knocking on people's doors to evict them. This rental moratorium, I do think that it's gone on long enough. I really do. I think a lot of people have um, benefited from this and just taken advantage of it. So I, I, I have no sympathy. Because there are jobs out there. I mean, if you want to get a job, there are jobs out there. People are hiring. Why are people hiring? They're hiring because <laughs> no one is taking their jobs. So I think that this will probably get people who taking advantage of the system and not finding a job to go out and look for a job. The government is not responsible to pay your rent or your mortgage or your bills it's up to you i understand that the government helps that's nothing wrong with that the government can help you for a while but in the long run you're going to have to be responsible for your own bills not the government so they're saying that the rental moratorium if congress doesn't act and act quickly it will be curtains for a lot of people who don't have jobs, can't pay their rent, and been living off the rental moratorium for maybe almost two years. Everything comes to an end. Nothing lasts forever. (laughs) Boy, don't I know that. Anyway, the eviction – I think I talked about this earlier. Eviction ban is ending. Millions of Americans are waiting for the sheriff to come knocking at their door. This is written. I mean, this is not me making this up. This is coming from some reliable sources, as of CNN. And uh, I don't think ending a rental moratorium is going to be as bad as or dire as some people might think. Because I think a lot of people have gotten jobs. A lot of people have uh, found employment. Then there's people who have not found employment those are the ones that are gonna be really, really affected by this this eviction ban that's ending tomorrow night from the date of the show. And starting tomorrow, starting Monday, you might see a lot of uh, sheriff Illinois sheriffs cars out on the street in front of buildings, apartments, maybe homes. Um to get people out of their apartments if they cannot pay the rent, the back the back rent. Because, I, I mean, with this rental moratorium, I believe people owe thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. If I'm correct on this, I don't know. <laughs> but I do know what I'm reading that the rental moratorium is over. And I know a lot of people tonight are scared shitless about that because I would be if I was one of them, because you don't want to end up on the streets, Um, not the streets of Chicago anyway. (laughs) Anyway, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to talk about my upcoming books. Yeah, I have uh, two. I'm still working on them. Uh, You Lost and The Screenwriter from Another Hell. I think they're going to be great books. I think everything I do is great. I can't get everybody to always agree with me on that, but I think if you're creative in some way, you have to pat yourself on the back, even if others do not. Anyway, um, when you're hosting a radio show or a podcast, you do have the privilege of uh, promoting your own work, because it's your show Promote it what you want. And you lost is just chronologizing Donald Trump, you know, because he's always saying he won, he won, he won, and I'm just saying you lost. <laughs> um, it's it's eh, well, it's gonna be a book of uh, articles and stuff. The main thing I think to to take from my latest book, "You Lost," is that basically. If you've been following Donald Trump, you know most of the stuff that's in it, that's going to be in it. Um, And then there's my opinion on some of the things that have have happened. Like this latest thing that has happened where where Donald Trump tried to corrupt the jail uh, Department of Justice. We know that. That will be in the book. I mean, anything that's coming out about Donald Trump will be in the book. Because One of the reasons why I'm writing this book is because I don't want Donald Trump and the Republicans to rewrite history, to send history the big lie. We all have to say something about this because the Republicans and Donald Trump, they're trying to take history away. They're trying to rewrite it, and it's not going to happen. We, the American people, are not going to let him rewrite history because there's – I mean there's a – there's over a ton of books out there on Donald Trump. And the majority of them are about things that we already know, things that we already heard and read about. But this stuff is going to go into history. And, and future generations after generation after generation after generation will be reading what we went through with this guy. If the Republicans try to rewrite history, it's going to work. It's not going to work. But let them try because history history at this moment is watching and listening. They know Donald Trump's been impeached twice. They know he's the biggest liar that has ever set foot on this planet. They know he will continue to lie. They know that he will continue to try to ease his ass back into the white house, which is not going to happen without going through due process. It will not happen. So (laughs) they can forget it. Uh, Yeah. So I got, we got two books coming out. You lost. That's a reversal for I won. Uh, pertaining to Donald Trump and the screenwriter from another hell. That's going to be a good, it's not about screenwriting. Believe me, I, I always felt that people may see the title and, and think it's about screenwriting. It's not, it's just an ordinary fictional story about a guy who is a screenwriter and his, you know, um, and his uh, venture into getting his screen, his his uh, script made into a movie. So that's, and I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting. People will, once people read it, and I hope they do read it, they'll probably say, George, is that you? Some of it is, and some of it is not. I mean, you don't write a book When I became a writer, people were telling me that uh, the best thing to write is to write about what you know. Even if you fictionalize it, you write about what you know. Uh, I'm going to be doing another screenplay based on one of the places where I once worked. I think that's going to be interesting too because because when i <laughs> when i was actually working at, at this place i won't name it right now uh i visualized writing a play i thought it would be funny it probably will be a comedy i'm not a good comedy writer but i am funny at some point and i thought it would be very very funny to write it so once these two things are uh out there and on the market i'm gonna do I call the play off the bone. Uh, (laughs) If you're following me, you'll know why later on. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. And we're seeing who can we bring in here next. It's, it's, mm, all right, yeah. uh george wilder jr on the george wilder jr show we will be right back
3: yesterday in parkland florida a 19 year old with a gun entered his former school and killed 17 innocent children and educators another day another massacre of american children The response was swift and sickeningly predictable. Thoughts and prayers and, of course, all of the other worthless platitudes that come from Republicans who aren't self-reflective enough to actually listen to the empty excuses that they speak. First, thoughts and prayers. Both Donald Trump and Florida's Republican Senator Marco Rubio are filled with thoughts and prayers when innocent blood is spilled. Thoughts and prayers, but little else. But until a law gets written, voted on, and sent to the desk of the president for signature, all because of thoughts and prayers, you can save it. The ever-increasing number of dead children in America, as well as those who will soon assuredly be murdered in the next mass shooting due to the disgustingly lax gun laws, don't need your thoughts and prayers, Senator Rubio, Donald Trump. They need leadership. They need grown-ups to do their damn jobs. Disregard the millions of dollars in campaign contribution, blood money you've taken from the NRA, and do what you're elected to do. Look, we always hear the same common, repeated, and stupid lines like, if only there had been a good guy with a gun, this could have been avoided. And even, this is the price of freedom like Bill O'Reilly said back in October, after almost 600 were killed or wounded in Las Vegas. Well, Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, and even Tommy Laren, uh, there was a good guy with a gun. The school had armed security on campus, and this guy was still able to enter a school filled with unsuspecting kids wielding a weapon of war and slaughter 17 of them. What do you say to someone who thinks that dead bodies of hundreds and hundreds of innocent children, and mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, isn't too high a price to pay for freedom? Because let me fill you in, this only happens here. Australia is free, and so is Canada and Germany, France, Great Britain, Norway, Sweden, Denmark. And those nations... They're free, sometimes freer by several metrics than we are, and they don't have massacres like this on a a weekly, monthly, or even yearly basis. So do something, Congress. Do your job. Do your jobs, or we, the American people, will find candidates who will. We will find candidates who know that piles of dead American children is too steep a price to pay what you not think is freedom.
0: Do their job. Remember that wow I mean and what's coming out now about Trump it's it's just mind-boggling they're saying that this guy could get some serious jail time for trying to corrupt the DOJ I mean the DOJ the Department of Justice to swing the election his way just take it and just give it to him this is what he wanted this is what this guy he wanted the election to be taken away from Joe Biden and just handed to him. No election, no voting. Just give it to Trump because he wants it. And believe me, a lot of his supporters tried that, and it didn't work. It didn't work. But it's just mind-boggling that had somebody in office who would do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. All right, everybody. Here is Ashley Judd.
3: Welcome to Hard Talk from New York
4: with me, Stephen Sacker. This city and Los Angeles are the twin capitals of America's giant movie, media, and entertainment business. A business that has been rocked by allegations of systemic sexism, misogyny, and abusive behavior. My guest today is Ashley Judd, the actor and activist and one of the first women to go public with her accusations about the mega producer Harvey Weinstein. What began with voices of anger and pain has become a movement demanding radical change. How far can it go? Ashley Judd, welcome to Hard Talk. Thank you. In recent weeks and months, something quite extraordinary has happened, kick-started, I suppose, by the allegations uh, concerning Harvey Weinstein. And what we see now is the growth of a real movement of women speaking out. Are you satisfied that this has come about, or are you deeply frustrated that it's taken so long for this to come about what's your overriding emotion right now
1: joy just unmitigated electrifying joy I'm so happy I'm so happy that it's here I've been telling the story for a long time since the moment it happened in fact because you know my particular examples of harassment with Harvey Weinstein I'm a teller uh, to use the word that Laura Dern used the other night on stage at the Golden Globes I'm a tattler and you know, I was molested for the first time when I was seven years old, and the first thing I did was go to a grown-up and say, hey, this just happened. And as so often the case, the grown-ups said, oh, he's a nice old man, that's not what he meant. But I somehow or another managed Stephen to stay absolutely authentic in my truth that I knew that something terribly wrong had happened. And I think that's why I'm such a crusader for for gender equality and for the full eradication of all gender and sexual-based violence. because. I experienced it as a youth. I experienced it in Hollywood. It's been the core of my humanitarian work for over 15 years. And now that this movement has collectivized and catalyzed and is here, it's incredibly gratifying to me.
4: If we just stick with Weinstein for a moment, what happened to you with Harvey Weinstein happened in 1997. But the truth uh, and your story and so many other people's stories has only emerged in the last few months. So what happened to the telling that you did at the time?
1: No one could hear me. No one could hear me. And I told this story in great detail to Variety magazine two years to the month prior to the publication of the New York Times piece. And everyone knew that I was talking about Harvey. He was named in the comments that were posted on Variety's website. Sometimes people called him by name, sometimes they used... Loosely disguised names like Schmarvi Schmeinstein, but you you
4: didn't name him in the piece
1: No, I didn't name him in the piece. I was I was talking with Variety for their women in film issue or their powerful women in Hollywood issue, whatever they call it and um, The journalist asked the question had I ever been harassed and I was like not yes, but hell yes, And everyone in the room with me, my team was like, no, 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 no. I was like, well, of course I'm going to tell the story. I've been, you know, my dad was with me when it happened. And I came straight from that hotel room at the peninsula down to the lobby and immediately told my dad what had happened, including everyone that night with whom I was filming on Kiss the Girls, the director, the writer, the producer, all of whom over the years um, have discussed it in an ongoing way with me. And it's just that now the world could hear
4: And the pattern is is clear from so many of the different stories. Weinstein often operating out of a hotel room, summoning uh, a female actor to his room, then appearing in the bathrobe and demanding different acts which were clearly of a sexual nature. You fled when that pretty much happened to you. Were you then, for a long time, frightened of Weinstein?
1: I was not frightened of Harvey Weinstein, and I think that's why he blackballed me. I think that's why he blacklisted me and did, unfortunately, as we know now, such a successful job sabotaging my career, because, you know, he continued to harass me between 97 and 99. And I have other examples, and I haven't gone into detail, because I don't want to give it oxygen.
4: And you know what I have to do? I have to say, for all sorts of legal reasons, that Harvey Weinstein continues to absolutely deny that in any of the cases that have been discussed in the last few months, that he ever uh, acted in a way that was was not consensual when it came to sexual activity.
1: Right, and he also hasn't denied that he harassed me, and in fact he's apologized for it. In my particular example, what he said... And this is a direct quote. He didn't lay a glove on me. And he didn't because, as you noticed, I, I was able to flee the room. But he absolutely harassed me. He abused his power. And he lorded it over me, you know, this imbalance between them, um, with, with vitriol and abuse of charm for two years. And then all of a sudden at the... So you perm- continue to see him. Well, I would bump into him at, ho- at the hotel. I would bump into him at different events, and he was always like, you know, wink, wink, I'm going to find that great part for you. And at the premiere of Double Jeopardy in 1999, I had reached the up with which I could no longer put. And I'll always remember this, because Barbara Walters was to my right, and I wondered if, on an unconscious level, having a powerful woman standing near me helped inflame my own audacious courage, because I started to go at him, Mm. I literally started to go at him, and I was. Getting ready to to call him out in front of whoever happened to hear, to be within ear distance, ear whatever I'm trying to say, and um, he 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 knew it, and he, he said, you know, I'm going to let you out of that little deal we made, and I said. You do that, Harvey. You do that, and he never bothered me again, but of course he blacklisted me, which Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh have since confirmed.
4: He says that he received information that you and another leading actor, Mira Savino, were difficult that you, they shouldn 't be you and Mira should not be touched because you were too demanding, too difficult, and Peter Jackson has since said, you know I, I, I took that information, and I wish i hadn 't, but does it leave you? feeling that your career has in a substantial way been been ruined by this man.
1: Not ruined but definitely impacted, definitely impacted and I I deeply appreciate Peter and Fran's apology and they wrote me a very detailed letter with an absolute blow-by-blow timeline of what happened and what was said and how it was confusing for them because this notion that I was difficult didn't match their experience of me personally. And it, it really it's it's in a way, Stephen, it's a relief because it explains what previously had been inexplicable, you know, why I was always on that I, I was at the time the highest paid act female actor in Hollywood. And then when I was on that short list and it was, you know, Julie Roberts and Sandy Bullock and me and a couple of other people when it would come down to it so often without explanation I wouldn't get the offer and now we know why and there. Well,
4: but again Miramax have denied that they put out a blacklist or blackballed individuals including yeah. yourself. But, but you, well there are a
1: lot of contradictions in there and um, you know other people have since come forward and said yes that's what we heard yes we had a feeling it wasn't true but the good news is I have such a robust life and I have a great curiosity about the world, and in a way that led me to the humanitarian work that I've been doing so um, passionately for all these years since. And I've been to 18 countries around the world, in particular I visited Congo and Rwanda multiple times and I spent a month in India last year, I've been to the war zone in Ukraine, I've been to Jordan recently, I'm on my way to Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. So to use an expression that's used in Texas, I don't know if you all know it, but I've made a hand. You know, I've made a good hand for myself. In in a sense,
4: you're saying it it certainly modified the trajectory of your life.
1: It did, yes. It did.
4: Let's talk about the the somewhat bigger picture, because this is part of something much bigger. And in a fascinating TED Talk that you delivered uh, last year, you, you talked of sexism, of misogyny, of vile, violent abuse that you have been getting online. And this has nothing to do with the specifics of of the Weinstein case. It's actually, I think, uh, much of it dates back to some Twitter comments you put up about a basketball game.
1: Yes, that was an ovarian moment (laughs) when I decided I had to up my game. Um, As you said, I, I was at a Kentucky basketball game. You know, that's my team. Um, Celtic is my football team, I might add. Um, and I didn't like a piece of refereeing and I said something about it in a tweet and all of a sudden it went, it went viral and it was called a cyber mob and you know, suddenly it was rape threats and decapitation threats and death threats and just all kinds of extraordinarily misogynistic and um, it was hate speech, you know, it was hate speech and I decided to write about it. What about
4: your attitudes? Today about men, you know, raped as a as a girl, suffered at the hands of, it's people like Harvey Weinstein. What is your feeling today about relations between men and women?
1: So I could have just cut you off at the beginning and said I love men, because I do. I love men, and I love boys and men. The problem is toxic masculinity. The problem is the patriarchy, which is a system in which we all live and operate, including me. And I think that the patriarchy is as constraining and abusive and limiting to boys and men as it is to girls and women. And that y'all may not necessarily see it that way, but because when one is entitled and has privilege and um, seems to have a status that affords different kinds of power and licenses that that actually is as limiting and unfulfilling to boys and men as it is to girls and women. The
4: Me Too campaign that has arisen since this focus on on Hollywood and misogyny and sexism and abuse began, the, the Me Too campaign, according to some women, has gone too far. Uh, If I quote to you one American writer and journalist, Claire Berlinski, she says mass hysteria has set in, it's become a classic moral panic and one that is ultimately as dangerous to women as to men. Can you see where she's coming from at all?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think that there's always room for critique and that we can be spacious enough in our perspective to hold paradox and to hold dissent. And there may be something to learn from that. And she may also, in my opinion, simply have missed the point. And you know, I suppose there's
4: one of the points is about the conflation of different kinds of behaviors. There's the alleged criminality of, of Harvey Weinstein, and then there is what other women writers have called the presumptuousness and boorishness that women have seen in men and and dealt with in men for time immemorial. Uh, and is there a danger of conflating different behaviors and criminalizing some behaviors which, while many women regard them as unacceptable, are, are not criminal?
1: I think it's fantastic to have the conversation and starting to articulate and identify and really and, and have a gradient of behaviors and understand that there is a spectrum of behavior. That's so important, you know. Unless we talk about this and tease each part of it out, mm-hmm. we can't understand what is unacceptable and what is. What we and we out? also need the lexicon for describing the behaviour.
4: Yesterday, I switched my TV on, and there was news of of another actor, James Franco, who has been the subject of a number of different accusations from women, mostly online. And James Franco's response is: "Look, hey." Uh, I didn't do the things that I'm accused of, but if I did in the past behave badly, then I am going to work my very hardest to put things right. I I, I wonder now about the atmosphere that you see in your industry, in entertainment, in other industries too, where it seems some men feel that they are, in a sense, being presumed guilty without due process.
1: I think that what James said is terrific, and I think that we've all behaved at a certain level unconsciously and done things that were um, insensitive, inappropriate, without necessarily understanding that they were. I mean, we've all operated with a certain amount of tone deafness, and I like the culpability, and we have to have restorative justice. This is about men and women being all together and having a more equitable and just workplace, home life, social spaces, I mean we know that when women are empowered in the workplace and are in decision making positions that workplaces have better financial outcomes and there's less harassment when there is more diversity and it takes that kind of individual accountability to collectively make the change on a large scale.
4: This is political though isn't it? Absolutely. And you have become very political in that you, you campaign, you're a goodwill ambassador for the Population Fund at the United Nations, you travel the world, as you've said, often addressing women's groups and talking to women and girls about the, the, the need for them to be part of a campaign to deliver better lives across the world for, for females. Look at the United States. How much work does there need to be in the United States on these issues?
1: a ton, a ton. Our teen pregnancy is skyrocketing. We have some of the highest teen pregnancy um, in the developed world are you know we don't have paid family leave except at individual companies who've had the courage to lead internally and I'm very aware that we have great strides to be made here. I mean, there are 49 countries in the world that don't have laws prohibiting intimate partner and domestic violence, and while we do have laws against it, they too need to be more um, evenly enforced, and our restraining orders are, in some instances, quite ineffective and and grant the abuser all kinds of freedom of movement but constrain the victim to certain hours and safe zones.
4: Well, it was very striking at the Golden Globes the other day, you and many other leading actors were dressed in black and many of you invited as your guests activists uh, from different spheres across the United States representing all sorts of different ethnic and, and working groups of women. And I know that the Me Too campaign said that one of its uh, absolute driving forces was the correspondence it had had with 700,000 female farm workers whom it was determined to draw into this campaign for, for equality, equal pay, women's rights. Do you think, in all honesty, that you and other movie stars and very famous women are best placed to be relatable and to deliver real change for people like the female farm workers of America.
1: I believe we're best placed to clean up our own industry, and we're doing that. You know, we're writing codes of conduct across unions and our business so that, for example, business meetings can no longer take place in hotel rooms and we're working for equal representation both behind the camera and in front of the camera we're working toward equal pay for You've male and female go we've got that. we've got miles to go and i'm so glad that the story about the disparity of pay between the great michelle williams who's been nominated for two oscars And Mark Wahlberg has come out because I knew those facts myself, and it wasn't my story to tell. And it's so egregious. I'm grateful that it's become public. Now, are we the most relatable? Are we the most well-placed? I don't know. They reached out to us, and our individual and collective empathy and understanding is absolutely with them. You know, we responded to their identification with us because, you know, it doesn't whether it's the server who gets her bum pinched or the factory worker who is harassed by the line boss or the female janitor who's trapped in a building after hours with men who threaten her. We experience it in the brainstem the same way. Any kind of threat is a physiological experience and it doesn't matter what the pay is or what the setting is. Men and women experience it the same, and that's really what we're addressing.
4: Trump and his supporters do tend to portray people in your business as out-of-touch elites, liberals, who...
5: I
6: in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman, because I got to tell you the truth, folks, I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe, in awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest, no contest. Religion, religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it, religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these 10 things he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time.
5: But he loves you. (laughs) He loves you.
6: He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money! He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise, somehow, just can't handle money! (laughs) Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy
3: shit! (laughs)
6: Thank you very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried, I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. (laughs) Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong on the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. (laughs) It's just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, 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 if, if, if there is a god if there is i think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe just maybe doesn't give a shit doesn't give a shit which i admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results so rather than be just another mindless religious robot mindlessly and and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit I decided to look around for something else to worship, something I could really count on. And immediately, I thought of the sun.
0: Okay, the DOJ has just, let me get that. The DOJ has, in some cases, demanded that the IRS Turnover Trump's taxes. Ah, the IRS. I thought it was the. I thought it was the New York D, D, DOJ. It could be. I don't know. I don't know if it's the federal DOJ or if it's just a state DOJ. But anyway, they want Trump's taxes. And what I'm and what I understand is that the DOJ has the power. To get his taxes from the IRS. Because you think about it. The the DOJ. Is basically law enforcement. And the IRS. Does nothing but collect taxes. So who's more powerful. Of course. It's the DOJ. So they got presidencies. Over all of this. So Trump's taxes will be handed over. When? We don't know. Let's hope soon At this point Donald Trump is such a big ass criminal. I don't really care about his taxes no more. Uh I really don't. Unless there's something in there that's going to get him arrested for tax evasion, of course. But if there's nothing in there that's going to send his ass to jail, I couldn't care less about his taxes anymore. In the beginning I did. Yeah, we all did. But this guy is such a crook <laughs> and a thug and a criminal. Every day there's something coming out about his bad behavior, uh, about how he tried to overthrow the government and failed, and how he tried to bully his own DOJ into uh, giving the election, handing it to him no matter what. He'll take care of it. He'll fix it. Just say it's corrupt. And he'll handle it from there. People are saying that is not good. Trump could get years and years in jail. My thing is, why isn't Trump in jail now? Okay, folks, let's talk about the vaccine because we're just about off the air. Um, Take the shot and live. Get the vaccine. This is more important than Donald Trump. This is more important than his lies and his Criminal ways Traitorous Ways Take the shot Get the shot And live And get everybody In your family Who has not been in, who ha, Excuse me Who has not been In vax Vaccinated Get them to take the shot Get the shot And live You know I know a lot of people Listening to Who will be listening To the show And are listening To the show uh, And if you've not Been vaccinated You're swearing up Or down You won't get vaccinated no matter what, you go to your grave before you get vaccinated. And if you're thinking like that, also think of other people you may be infecting with the disease because you will not get to get vaccinated. Think of your children. Think of your your brothers and your sisters. Think of um, think of other people, your friends. Think of people in the workplace. If you if you don't think of yourself, think of other people think of other people. This is serious because we may have to go back into quarantine. People may go back into having to stay home and we may be on lockdown again. And I understand some people really don't give a damn. They just don't care. But I'm like Joe Biden. I'm pleading with you. Get the vaccine. All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show. We've been on a while and it's been fun. It's been great. And um, remember, we're not at war with each other. We're at war with this vaccine. We're at war with people not getting the vaccine. Get vaccinated and to save your life and to save the life of others around you. Do not Wow, that's that's something else. I cut that off in the middle of that. Um, Because the vaccine, uh, this variant and this COVID-19 is spreading like wildfire, folks. It's spreading like wildfire. Get the vaccine. Or or if someone you know, I'm repeating this. If someone you know swears up and down that they will not get the vaccine, Go have them take a look at those folks who did not get the vaccine in hospitals who are struggling for their lives, and they admit themselves they should have gotten the vaccine. Get the vaccine. For those who have the vaccine, you're not out of the woods yet because we have to try to deal with the ones who have not gotten the vaccine. Uh, I have worked with people. I'm pretty sure they didn't get the vaccine. I have been around people. I'm pretty sure they didn't have the vaccine, and they were not wearing masks. They were stupid, just plain old stupid, ignorant people. One of the things, when I'm around people who I think do not have the vaccine, I'm not going to ask them did they get the shot. Because more likely, most likely you can tell people who, if you think about it, you can tell those who have had the vaccine, whether one shot or two shots, you can tell the ones. Because there's going to be something about their demeanor that's going to tell you if they've had the shot or not. Now, I see a lot of young people walking down the street in groups with no mask, and I can tell you the way their body demeanor reacts is that None of them had the shot, but they're walking around maskless and giddy, affecting other people. They may not even know that they're affecting other people, but they are. They are. The best protection against this is a vaccine and a mask. I would not be talking about the vaccine if it wasn't rising like a wildfire in every single America, in every single state in America. This thing is on the rise. It's on the rise, and it's going to keep on being on the rise until people stop being dumb and go out there and get the shot. Get both shots. If you can't get both of them, because um, the vaccines. The shots are. You can get them anywhere. You can go to your local clinic. Sometimes they're giving them in the department stores. You can go to CBS, Walgreens, um, your 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 doctor's office. They're readily available everywhere. Everywhere the shots are available. It's just that you have to <laughs> just walk in, and they don't hurt. I mean, I've had two uh, two shots. They they're not. Uh, they don't hurt. They don't make you scream or say ow or anything like that. It's just that um get the shot. It's it's all we can do to try to save America. This is about saving America. All right. Um I want to This is George Wilder signing off on the George Wilder Jr. show. Take care everybody. Get the shot. Bye-bye.